0: Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse number 1, and it reads, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, verse 2 and 3, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. Paul is simply telling the Hebrew believers that it is time to grow up in Jesus Christ. Paul says it's time to go past the basics, such as number one of the doctrine of baptisms. Doctrine of baptisms refers to the washings of the Old Testament ritual. Again, keep in mind that Paul is addressing the Jews only here in this letter. Number two, laying on of hands. This was also an Old Testament ritual. When a man brought an animal offering, he laid his hands on his head to signify his identification with it. The animal was taking his place on the altar of sacrifice. Number three, uh, the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead was taught in the Old Testament. And number four, eternal judgment was also taught in the Old Testament. Paul tells them that it is time for them to grow up by moving on to a deeper understanding concerning Christ and that he will see to it that this would be accomplished if God permit. All right, let's look at verses four through ten. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have taste of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, Meat for them by whom it is dressed, receive a blessing from God. But that which barred thorns and brows is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, I like that word, underline that word. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints, and do minister. Now, verse 9 is the key to this passage, but we need the context to understand what is being said. Paul is simply warning them of the possibility of losing their rewards. Paul makes this very clear in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11-15, through which reads, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he had built there upon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Now, the work of every believer will be tested by fire. We don't work for salvation, but after being saved, we work for rewards, which will be given out at the judgment seat of Christ. The problem here was that some of the Jewish believers were returning to the temple sacrifice at that time, and Paul was warning them of the danger of that. Before Christ came, every sacrifice was a picture of him and pointed to his coming. But after he came and died on the cross, that which God had commanded concerning animal sacrifices for sins became null and void. And to continue such practice was to make what Jesus has done of none effect. It was simply a slap in Jesus' face. It meant that they didn't believe in his atonement, in his debt, burial, resurrection, nor in his redemption. Verses seven and eight again reads: It says, "For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh off upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receive it dressing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned." Now the word "rejected" is a d o k i m o s. A d o k i m o s. The same word Paul used when writing to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians chapter nine and verse twenty-seven, which reads, "But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself shall, should be a castaway." Castaway is the same word, adokimos, meaning not approved. Paul is simply saying that when he comes in his presence before the judgment seat of Christ, he don't want to be disapproved. He don't want to be unapproved. He don't want his works to be burned up. Now, notice the key to this passage. Verse 9, which reads, But beloved, we are persuaded. I like that. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation though we thus speak paul is simply saying here that he is persuaded or convinced that these hebrew believers in christ will grow to maturity in christ they will not go back to the mosaic system they will stand firm in the debt burial and resurrection of jesus christ and not only that but their works for christ will be as silver and gold tried by the fire so when they stand at the judgment seat of christ they will hear the words of Thou good and faithful servant, in whom I am well pleased. Paul says, This is my expectation of you. Why? <clears throat> For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, Ooh, glory, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Oh, that's all right. Look at verses 11 through 20. And we desire that every one of you, do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he sware by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying. I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the errors of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter it into that which within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Paul is simply showing here that we can count on God concerning his promises. God is faithful to his promises. And to prove this part, Paul uses Abraham as an example of God promising and delivering. Two immutable things was done by God. Number one, the Lord promised Abraham that his descendants would be as innumerable as the stars of heaven. And reference to this is Genesis chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. He later confirmed his promise with with an oath. And we see this in Genesis chapter 22, verses 16 through 18. God confirmed his unchangeable word of promise by a second unchangeable thing, his oath. These two immutable things gave Abraham encouragement and assurance. It caused him to completely trust God. Not only do we have the promise made to Abraham for our encouragement, we have a far richer revelation of God's love, which is the gift of his Son, Jesus Christ. Number one, the debt debt and resurrection, Christ. Uh, Number two, his ascension and intercession for us are the two immutable things. Number one, the debt and the resurrection of Christ. And number two, his ascension and intercession for us are the two immutable things. These four great truths give us an assurance and provide a refuge that we can lay hold on. Hallelujah. Then he says, who have fledged for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us? Now this reminds us of the cities of refuge which God provided for the children of Israel. And the references to this is Numbers chapter 35, Deuteronomy chapter 19, and uh, the book of Joshua chapters 20 and 21. Those cities of refuge served as types of Christ sheltering the sinner from debt. The cities of refuge was an awesome provision for a man who had accidentally killed someone. He could escape to a city of refuge where he would be protected, and his case tried. If he was acquitted, Of intentional killing, he was to remain within the city until the death of the high priest. Now this reveals Christ as our refuge. We have already been carried into court and was found guilty. We were sinners, and our penalty was debt. Christ came and bore our penalty. He died in our place, making us free. We have been delivered from the penalty of sin. Never do we have to answer for it again. We have a high priest, a resurrected Savior to whom we can go to. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, he assumed the office of high priest. He passed through the veil into the holy of holies, into the presence of God and presented his blood there. Then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Listen, we have and even stronger encouragement than Abraham had in his time because of our high priest, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not only sitting at the right hand of God, but he is constantly making intercession on our behalf. Glory to God. He is our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek.